Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lake Mount Worship Center, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7 p.m., and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Right. Awesome. Also, just one more announcement for you guys. Uh, Next Monday, everybody say next Monday. Monday. All right. Next Monday, we are actually, as a church, we're hosting some pastors that are part of Ministers Fellowship International. They're part of that fellowship from across Canada. And so pastors and leaders from across the country are going to be gathering here for a three-day conference. And it starts next Monday, starts on Monday night. And uh, we are actually joining in together with them. It's going to be an amazing night. And uh, so there's going to be, again, it's going to be packed in here. And uh, we're just going to go after God. Worship's going to be strong. And there's going to be great ministry from a friend of mine, Chris Ivany, who's a pastor of Rock Church in Halifax. And so even though it's geared toward pastors and leaders, uh, we've done this in the past before. How many have ever been a part of any of those in the past just by showing It's been amazing. So just trust us. Show up like normal, and it's going to be an amazing night. So we'll see you next Monday, and it'll be good. What? Yeah, on time. That's what Mom Lee said. So there we go. Thank you. Okay. So we're going, to, uh, we're going to jump into the Word of God tonight. Grab your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 14, and we're continuing in our series on Disciple. Tonight is pod night, all right? So we're going to be breaking up into pods in just a few moments. I'm just going to kind of tee us up with the message here tonight, and then we're going to break into groups, discuss that, pray together, build some relationship. It's going to be strong. So Luke chapter 14, verse 25 says, Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and his mother, his wife and children, his brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. We looked at that a few weeks ago. Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's not telling you to hate everybody. That is crazy. What he's saying is your love for me needs to make every other love in your life look like hatred in in contrast to it. And so we just want to be all in for Jesus. Then he says, and anyone who does not carry his cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. We looked at that last week and talked about how we need to be prepared to go all the way for Jesus and live a life of sacrifice and recognize what Jesus has called us to do. Suppose one of you, verse 28, wants to build a tower. Will he not first sit down and estimate the cost and see if he has enough money to complete it? For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish Or suppose a king is about to go to war with another king. Will he not first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he's not able, will he not send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and ask for terms of peace? In the same way, any of you does not give up everything he has cannot be my disciple. Salt is good. But if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure heap it's thrown out. He who has ears, let him hear. So again, tonight, our filter as we approach kind of these, this high bar of Jesus about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him, our filter is what Jesus said at the very end, let him who has ears hear what the Spirit is saying. God the Holy Spirit wants to help you hear Jesus. God the Holy Spirit wants to help you live a, a disciplined life in following after Jesus. 
There's no such thing as a nominal Christian. There's no such thing as just a Christian on your tax form. You're either a follower of Jesus or you're not. And Jesus sets the bar and he gets to because he's leading this thing. And so he says, here's what it means to be my follower. And so we want to take him seriously at that. We're going to dig in to uh, verse 28 and 29 uh, through to 30, actually, and just, just look at the word picture that Jesus uses here for what it means to follow <clears throat> Jesus and to be a disciple. Anybody here have shop class in high school when, when you went to high school? Anybody have shop class? Like, I know they got rid of that, you know, a few years back, but some of you guys enjoyed shop class. I loved shop class in high school. Someone was like, how did someone who struggles at paying attention like you get through high school, it's like shop class, right? <laughs> shop class, just every once in a while, just go to shop class. Just like, yeah, okay, I'm going to get the let out and just, you know, I don't know, glue something together and then put a drill into it. I don't know. So anyway, grade nine shop class, uh, um, the grade 12s were actually working, you know, simultaneously. They had their class on one side and we we're on the other side in wood shop. And, in, you know, by the time you get to grade 12, it's guys that are kind of thinking maybe this is the career path they want to go. And so they're, they're working on actually building all year long. They built a fully functional uh, kind of workshop for somebody that was going to be shipped out. And so they got to learn uh, tricks of the trade. They, got, they, they put plumbing in it. They put electrical in it. They drywalled it. I mean, this was a beautiful uh, work shed. And, uh, and at the end of the year, you know, they had worked all year and then they were actually, they were selling this to a client. And so they were building it to spec. And so it was a great opportunity for these grade 12 students. We had a shop teacher named Mr. Swanson, except for we all called him Schwanny. And no reason for that other than we could just walk into class and be like, Schwanny. Anyway, so we, we did that all the time. Anyway, the, the grade 12s built this thing all year long. And then at the end of the year, they bring in a flatbed truck and they bring in a, a crane to lift this this shed that they built and put it onto the flatbed and take it to, to the site of the guy who ordered it. One problem, Schwanny didn't measure right and the, the shed that they built all year was too big. It didn't fit out the door, which was a great lesson for the grade 12s. Like, don't trust Schwanny. So they had, to, they had to actually disassemble it. They had to actually disassemble it so that they could get it out. And like it, it took an extra week and guys had to come back after school and, uh, and work on it because they needed to measure it. In our text tonight, the verses that we're looking at, verse 28 to 30, Jesus likens, he gives a word picture as Jesus often did. The reason Jesus taught in parables, the reason Jesus used word pictures is that he would take something that you know about and he would say, okay, you know what you know about that? Apply it over here. Something you know about in this realm can translate to what you need to learn more about over here. You want to understand what it means to be my disciple. I want you to take what you know about someone who's done a big building project, and I want you to apply that to building your life on my words. And so he likens our discipleship to a construction project. Now, I don't know if you guys heard, but like last Sunday here at Lake Mount, we burnt the mortgage on this huge building project that we did 10 years ago, okay? So, you know, 11 years ago, this was, this was all grass and kind of a, a bit of a parking lot. We, it was kind of a parking lot. It was just grass. We parked on the grass. We were just too cheap to pave it. So we just parked on the grass, okay? 
And, uh, you know, where everyone goes to prayer in the, in, you know, before the service, that was the original church over there. That was the original sanctuary. So we added the lobby and the sanctuary and the gym out back and the classrooms, the offices above. We did a big building project. When we brought in the contractors and talked about this building project, they presented to us building plans. They showed us what they were going to do. If you can just lean into the word picture of Jesus, because he wastes no words, what we need to do is lean into it and go, how could that apply to my understanding of being a disciple of Jesus? Nobody starts a building project with just kind of a rough idea and some tools. Like nobody, except for the people on do-it-yourself shows that you know professionals come in later and fix it for them, right? When you're doing a building project, you just, you know, I didn't say to a construction guy, oh, yeah, we want a sanctuary. I don't know, about this big, you know, just slap something together and see what we get. They have to draw it out with architectural specifications, and they need to actually look at the condition of the soil and how deep the foundation needs to go. And for months before it looked like anything was going on here, it just looked like they were playing in the mud. They're just, you know, digging a hole and then pouring gravel in and be getting the, the foundation ready before they could actually do construction. You have to actually have a plan of construction. And on top of the plan, you need to figure out, can I afford the construction? So again, that's why we were celebrating last week that we burnt the mortgage because we borrowed to do it. And then we finished it off last week, 10 years after it was built. Here's the picture that Jesus is saying to you and me is the same way that someone begins a building project. They don't just go into a field and decide, ah, let's build something here and see how it goes. They draw up a plan. They get the tools. They get the equipment. They get a budget, and they start building. In the same way, Jesus said, you need to look at following me with that kind of planning and that kind of preparation. It's not ethereal. It's, it's take what you know about construction and understand if you would take building a building seriously, you better take seriously building your life on my words and following after me. It takes vision to see a finished product before the finished product is there. And again, when I think back to particularly this space, because this was, you know, where the, where the lobby is, where you get your coffee every Monday night, that was a carport, and the windows behind there were the doors into the previous uh, church building. When this was, you know, we would watch from those windows. We would look at what they were doing, and they dug down, and when they dug down, this, this whole area just filled up with water. It looked like a pond over here. And they discovered there was all this groundwater that was flowing underneath. And they had to do all this kind of work to make sure that the water moved away from the building. And there's sump pumps in the basement to deal with that. All kinds of work that goes into laying a foundation and getting the job done correctly. Jesus said that you need to look at building your life like a contractor looks at building a building. A contractor came onto this property and send in earth movers and, and backhoes and they're digging out all the dirt and they're dropping in the gravel and they're doing, and while it looks like a hole and it looks like a mess and it looks like a pond and it looks like it's not going well, someone, although what you could see with your natural eyes was this big mess, this big, you know, dirty mud pit, someone was looking at it and they saw this building before this building was here. They saw the end and worked backwards from there. They saw a finished product and they worked backwards from there. 
Jesus says, that's the kind of thinking, that's the kind of calculation, that's the kind of planning that needs to go into your discipleship, your followership of Jesus. It takes vision. Everybody say vision. It takes vision to see a finished product before it's finished. But that's what's required of a disciple. Listen to this verse. You can write it down if you're taking any kind of notes. Proverbs chapter 29, verse 18, one of my favorite verses. It says, where there is no vision, or literally, in the original Hebrew, what it means is prophetic revelation. Where there's no vision, where there's no prophetic revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the person who keeps the law. Where there's no vision, people throw off restraint. Think about that. And tie it together with what Jesus said about counting the cost on building your life after him. A visionary architect, a visionary contractor sees the finished product before it's even started. And they see that product and then they calculate backwards how much will it cost for all of the wood, for all of the steel, for all of the labor, for all of the drywall, for all of the paint, for all of the heavy machinery. How much will it cost? And then they calculate the cost, see the vision, do the math and say, this is how much it's going to cost to get the job done. And the person building needs to say, do I want to pay that? Jesus is saying to you and to me tonight, do you want to pay what it will cost to follow him? Are you willing to get a picture in your mind's eye, a vision that, listen to me, and if you get nothing else from tonight, get this, a vision that will put the boundaries around you to help you to live the life that God's called you to live. God's word, Proverbs 29, verse 18 says, where there's no vision, people throw off restraint. If you have a self-control problem, the reality is you don't have a self-control problem, you have a vision problem. Any area of your life that is out of, a, out of control is an area that lacks vision. If you can't control yourself when you go on, online, when you, when you are on your socials, when you're on your computer, when you, if you can't control yourself, it's not because you got a, a yes, it's a sin problem. Yes, there's, there's issues there. But listen to me. The issue isn't just, oh, man, I, it's just, it's really challenging for me. I gotta, the problem is you don't have a vision of something better than where you're going when you go online. You got a problem in your relationship, a boundary issue in your relationship. You just don't have a vision. That's the problem. Vision will actually give to you restraint. If you were here last week, I was using the, the word picture talking about somebody who, who wants to you know, lose some weight and be in good shape, and they have the vision of that, but if they don't change the way that they're eating and if they don't change the way that they're exercising, if they, they don't actually do anything different, listen, they don't have a vision of physical fitness, they have a fantasy of physical fitness. Because a goal without a strategy is a fantasy. But vision requires that you put restraint around yourself. And so the person who says, I want to lose X amount of pounds by X amount of time has counted the cost and said, because I want to lose this much weight by that much time, I am going to adjust. I'm not eating sugar. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to, whatever the disciplines are going to be. I've counted the cost. No pain, no gain. I'm going to do the work. Why? Because it's not a fantasy of mine. It's a vision. 
If someone in this room was like, I want to I get really good at playing the guitar. That's cool. Probably if you said to anybody, hey, if I snap my fingers and you could be really good at guitar, probably most people are like, yeah, that'd be cool. Just kind of be good at guitar for some random reason. Just show off at parties and bonfires. <laughs> guys want to hear me play Wonderwall for the hundredth time? But someone who's like, yeah, I want to get really good at guitar. If you want to be really good at guitar, what that means is you're going to have to put in the work. You're going to have to practice. You're going to have to run scales. You're going to have to learn the fretboard. You're going to have to actually put in the work and do the hours. Why? Because you're not just going to suddenly be imparted with guitar playing skills. You're going to have to do the work to get better than you currently are. Vision gives you restraint. Another word for restraint, discipline. The root word of disciple, discipline. And so here's Jesus saying, if you want to be my, my disciple, I want you to think about it like a building project. You're going to have to do the math on if you're willing to spend what it will take to build the kind of life that you see. And will you restrain your spending in other areas because it's worth it to build that kind of, that kind of life? Can you see it before you're there? See, if you, have a, if you lack self-control, again, that's a vision problem. And like I was saying last week, the person who goes to the gym, you know, that's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in shape. They go to the gym tomorrow, and then they tomorrow night stand in front of the mirror looking for differences, and they just tap out, oh, it's not working. They lack vision. Because you're going to have to go to the gym and then go to the gym and go to the gym and go to the, like you're going to have to create a whole new set of disciplines. If you're going to build this sanctuary, you can't just be like, well, let's get some shovels and some cement. See what, you know, turns up. It's just going to be a bunch of cement and some weirdos out here just like, hey, I'm a builder. No, you're not. <laughs> you're going to have to have a strategy, some drawings, a budget. Hear me. This is what Jesus is saying. Do the math. Calculate and get a vision. A lot of people talk about vision. Often when we talk about getting a vision for our lives, and I want to give this to you, and I hope this helps you, especially at the age and stage that you are at. Often when we talk about having vision for our lives, people make it sound like what you need is a clear timeline for certain achievements. How many know what I'm talking about? Like people, like everyone has that one friend that's just like, yeah, so by the time I'm 25, I'm going to own my own business. I'm going to have three kids and I'm going to have two Teslas and a cottage. And they're just like, they got this whole idea and it's like, and then I'm going to sell that business, get another one. And they're like, you make me tired just like being near you. Okay. Often people talk like, like having a vision is all of these calculated steps with timelines. That's fine if that's how you want to do it. But listen, I would suggest to you that getting a godly vision for your life is not about how much money you want or what kind of career you want to have, but it's actually about who you're going to be and the kind of character that you're going to have. The vision that God has for your life and the vision that God wants to stir in your life that will put restraint around you is less about how much money, how, when I'm going to get married by, you don't know. Like, what do you just want to, well, I need to be married within a year and a half, so who's around? Like, who does their life like that? That's stupid. 
Throw your timelines and all that stuff. I mean, there's places for that. I'm just not that guy. I'm saying that the vision that God wants to stir in your heart, hear me tonight, and this could free some of you. It's not about stuff, and it's not about achievements by timelines. It's about the kind of person you're going to be, the kind of character you're going to have. And if you will build your life that way, you can have the restraint around the things that matter. And while I'm on the subject, I mean, honestly, it would be better to be single for your whole life. The book of Proverbs says it'd be better to be single your whole life than to get married into a dysfunctional relationship. So take the pressure off and just become the person that God is calling you to be and let him work out the math on the rest of it. Get a vision. Get a vision for who you're going to be. Am I the guy that can be trusted at two in the morning when I'm restless and I can't sleep and my laptop is beside me? Am I trustworthy by myself with the world wide web and all that could just entice me into sexual sin? You need a vision for your life that will put restraint around you in those moments. That it's not, well, you know, everyone struggles. and everyone. Don't make excuses. Who are you going to be? That's the vision piece. That Jesus says, you need to count the cost. What will it cost you to build your life on the words of Jesus? There's character that is far more important than just, you know, a list of achievements that you can make. There are disciplines that accompany vision. And so a vision will create discipline in your life. Jesus says that you need to have a vision of what following him is going to cost you. Hear me, you need to have a vision. I'm not speaking theoretically. You in this room, you need to have a vision of what following Jesus is going to cost you. What's a vision? It's looking ahead to something that hasn't happened yet. You need to actually anticipate that there will come times where you're going to have to, it will cost you to follow Jesus. And that, what I'm preaching to you tonight, flies in the face of the North American mindset where a lot of churches can spend a lot of time trying to attract everybody in. How can we, we just want you to feel so, come on in and everything's free and just enjoy, isn't this nice and aren't we friendly? Listen, Jesus was not selling himself to anybody. This is his sales pitch. Hey, your family, carry your cross, count the cost. What do we think we're doing? We're like, hey, Jesus is pretty cool. Who wants a free coffee? Like there has to be a vision that gets into your heart. What will it cost me to follow Jesus? Work backwards from there. Who do I, who is God calling me to be? Not a list of achievements, not material things. That will come. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Matthew 6, Seek first the kingdom of God and living right. And all that stuff will be given to you as well. Just seek God and live right. And God will do the math on the other stuff. Vision creates discipline. There's a theme to what Jesus lays out for his disciples so far. And I hope you're picking it up as we've been working through these verses. They're challenging verses, but I promise I'm not going to talk down to you. I'm just going to give you the straight goods. There's a theme to what Jesus is saying. And the theme is this, count the cost. Count the cost. Figure out if it's worth it for you to follow Jesus. You want to know who the most frustrated people in the world are? People, 
people who are just Christian enough to not really enjoy sin and just worldly enough to not really enjoy Jesus. And so Jesus calls it out. Here he calls it out. He calls it out in the book of Revelation. He says, you know what? I wish you were hot or cold. Like Jesus isn't afraid of you making a decision. Jesus is like, I wish you were hot or cold. What's he saying? I wish you'd go all in or all out. Why? Because when you go halfway, you can waste your life. If you went all in on living for the devil, living for yourself, you'll be back. Because his pace sucks. You'll be back. If you went all in, not halfway. If you went all in, you're like, man, I feel like a used dish rag. I feel like garbage. What was wrong with doing it God's way? If you went all in, you'd be like, that's like the prodigal son wakes up with his face in a pig trough and is like, wow, it was better at my dad's house. What was my problem? And goes back. Jesus is like, I want you to go all in. This is why I'm preaching this to you guys. Is I, I really, my heart for you is go all in. Like, don't wait to get serious later. Like, don't, don't be like, you know what, I'm going to just, you know, I'm here on a Monday, that's good. But, I mean, there's still some, some scenes I'm cool with, and there's still some things I want to try out. And, I, you know, and you know I just got to check out my convictions and all these. Okay, yeah, check out your convictions. Line them up with the word, and listen to me. Count the cost. Who are you going to be at the end of your life? Who is Jesus asking you to be? And reverse engineer the equation and figure out, are you going to pay what it takes? Are you going to go all in for Jesus? No half measures. Count the cost and build your life after him. So how do you count the cost? Are you willing to submit the direction of your life, your choices, and your standards to someone else? Is this what you want to do? Because here's the deal. We don't negotiate lordship. The Holy Spirit's going to help you. But you need to be disciplined what will it cost you to follow Jesus well it'll cost you some friends it will maybe you've already experienced this but there'll be some people who hate you for your Jesus worldview have you found that yet like someone's like oh you know do you like you you talk about like I go to church I have faith I'm a Christian and people like oh and then they fill in like this whole quiz for you like oh I know what you're all about no you don't you, like, you know what, whatever is just being spun at you by the media. Oh, yeah, you're hateful. You're a bigot. You're what? Oh, I am. Wow. Interesting. And some people just don't even want to hear it. It will cost you. And again, Jesus made no sales pitches. He's like, hey, listen, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. Jesus said that? Yeah. He's saying, if they hate me, they're going to hate you. I mean, if they crucified you, me, they're, they're coming for you. Wait a second. I thought... I thought I could live my best life. No, if I just, you know, if I just tithe and hit the holy slot machine and God just blesses my life. <laughs> Jesus says it, it, it's going to cost you. There'll be some people who don't get your worldview. Is that okay? Can you count that cost? I'm not saying you need to write anybody off, but what if people write you off? Is that okay? What if certain crowds don't invite you in because... Just you being you brings conviction to those environments. You know what conviction is to someone who doesn't want to call it conviction? Buzzkill. Oh, you're a buzzkill. Oh, you're, 
goody-two-shoes. You're just too straight-laced. Is that okay? It might cost you some friends. It might cost you some indulgence. It might cost you some areas uh, and, and behaviors, freedom from sin. Listen, freedom from sin. When, when Jesus set you free from sin, he didn't just set you free from the consequences of sin. He set you free from the continued behaviors of sin. Like, it's a flawed equation if we're like, yeah, I'm not going to hell, but I'm still acting like I am. It'll cost you. Like, there's some things that's like, yeah, I don't do that anymore. Why? Well, be because I'm a Christian. I've counted the cost. There's some things I don't do that I used to. There's some things that I don't do that a lot of people do. And I'm not, you know, holier than thou. I'm not rubbing it in everybody's face. I just am saying, for me, that's not what I'm doing. Why? Because I'm responding to conviction. You know, the most religious people in the world are people who are looking to get away with something. You can hear them. Like, you would think of religious people as people who are stuffed up and, and whatever, but stuffed up? Yeah, they got a cold. Uh, stuck up. <laughs> but someone who's religious is someone who's literally thinking, well, where does it say I can't this? Where does it say I can't that? Where does it say? And they're looking for rules. And yet, what did Jesus invite you into? A bunch of rules or a relationship with himself? So we want the relationship, but the relationship is actually going to produce conviction. And the conviction is actually going to, at times, feel difficult. But listen, what I, like, I'm a little older than you guys, okay? Like, I've, I've been around, okay? Like, some of the things when you start out responding to conviction, it's difficult at first. But the more that you yield to conviction, the stronger the conviction becomes that it actually isn't just the discipline of, okay, God, I won't. But you actually start to yield, and it becomes your own conviction because over time, you can see the benefits of the standard of God. If Jesus has to explain everything to you, you don't trust him. I just need to trust that the reason you've given me this standard is because you care for me and you want the best for me. And so what will it cost me? It will cost me maybe some friends. It's going to cost me maybe some indulgence, some, some behaviors that it seems like everyone else is doing. And it looks like fun, but I also know there's consequence on the other side. And I'm willing to count the cost and say, you know what? I'm building my life differently. And I'm not spending that way because I'm building this way. What else will it cost you? It'll cost you, here's a scary one, some independence. Jesus is your Lord. He's your master. That means he's the boss. When do you go to class? Those of you that are in school, when do you go to class? Well, who tells you what time it is? What, who tells you when? Teacher. When do you go to work? When the boss tells you to go work. When do you go home? When the boss says you can go home. I'm a totally autonomous individual. I don't need any of that. I don't need any of that legalism. Yeah, well, you also don't need your degree from McMaster, apparently. I don't need to be told what to do. Yeah, you do. That's how you get a degree. Well, I don't need to be told what to do. I can make donuts whenever I want. No, you make donuts when Tim Horton says, come make a donut. <laughs> and you stop making those donuts when he says, you can go home. 
And we yield to lordship in other areas of life because of self-interest. I want the degree. I want the paycheck. And Jesus says, no negotiation. Lordship is all. Listen, some of your independence, are you okay with understanding you got to count the cost? That you don't just do what you want to do anymore, but you run it by Jesus? Because he's Lord? Because he's boss? And again, no sales pitch from Jesus. He's like, you better count the cost. Like there's people all sitting there being like, yeah, I'm going to check this Jesus out, see if maybe I'll join his team and, you know, maybe become a Christian and kind of hang out some cute girls. Maybe I'll just say hi and put out the vibe while I worship. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, just in case you're wondering at all, you better count the cost. This will cost you because when he's Lord, it's not just a title of honor. It's a functional role in your life. He's Lord. And not just from rules, from relationship, that the Holy Spirit begins to work on your heart. And things that you used to feel okay, hopefully you've all experienced this. Things that used to be okay, suddenly you're like, I don't feel good about that anymore. I, I, that's not a place for me anymore. I used to feel fine about that, but the closer I'm getting to Jesus, there's some stuff that I'm cutting out of my life. Why? Because following him means that he's calling the shots. Hear me now. Jesus says, take it a step further and look all the way down the road. If you live to be 95 years old, what kind of man, what kind of woman are you going to be on your deathbed? How are you going to live your life from here to there? Work from there backwards. Count the cost and go all in for Jesus. Count the cost. I've lived long enough to know, okay, I've come to experience that some of the boundaries I didn't understand a while ago make more sense now. They make more sense now. And that's why I just want to pull no punches with you guys and just lay it out the way that Jesus did. Just take the words of Jesus and repeat them to you. That the, the, best way, the best way for you to experience life in God is not by having, like it's, you know when you go to Costco, and you're hungry? Anybody ever gone to Costco? Okay. And they're giving out samples. And you're hungry. And so you like, you show up and the lady's there and you try to be charming to see if she'll give you like two little samples of a hot dog. Mm, oh. And then you like act like you're really interested. Like, mm, is that Bavarian? <laughs> right? And then you, you go around and you get some like dry raisin bran without milk. And, mm. and you're hungry and you go back to the hot dog lady. And she's like, I've seen you here before. And you're like, no, you haven't. <laughs> and you're going through sample after sample, trying to get full, eating teeny little bites. Listen, the best way for you to go all in for Jesus isn't just go to sample table, sample table, and just have little tasters of Jesus on your way. Pull up a chair. Go all in. Get the whole meal. Give your whole life. Count the cost. Put your wallet on the table. Don't try to, don't try to skate by on tiny little slices of Bavarian sausage that are free cheapskate. Don't coast off of somebody, don't coast off of somebody else's goodwill and discipline. You can't have holiness by association. You need to go all in for God. And so Jesus says, count the cost. 
You, you like, oh, that's Bavarian. Yeah, buy a pack. <laughs> get the buns, get the mustard, do the whole thing. But don't just cheat by on the sample. You want to go all the way, do it. Count the cost, go in. Give your whole life for Jesus. That's what he calls us to. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to go into our pod our pod groups and we're going to, there's some discussion questions. There's actually several questions there that each pod leader has been given. And you guys, uh, I don't know if you were talked through on those, but like you don't have to use them all. You can, you know, you can go through, let the discussion go as it is, but just read through those questions, see which ones resonate. But my prayer for you tonight is that God would make his truth come alive. So before you break out into your groups, would you just bow your heads? Let me pray over you. Father, I thank you for your word and I thank you for your truth. And I thank you, Lord, that your truth sets us free. And I thank you, Lord, that you call us to discipleship, and that discipleship is restraint. It's rooted in vision of who you've called us to be. I thank you, Lord, that you've called everyone in this room, Lord, to a lifestyle of devotion to you. And I pray that, God, if there's anyone on the fence of just kind of wobbling and just kind of at the sample table, I pray that, God, tonight would be the night that they just go all in, take you at your word, count the cost, and build their lives fully on who you are and what you say. And so, Lord, we ask for your help. Help us as we meet in groups and begin to discuss these things, that, Holy Spirit, you would just lead us as we share. And we thank you for your truth in Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountya. Have an amazing week, and we hope to see you soon.